And a very good morning, friends. It's Oliver Callan here until 10 o'clock on this wet Monday morning in Dublin, but I think it's dry around the rest of the country. It is the 3rd of July now, and you're welcome to join us. The text is 51551, and from the north of Ireland, you can text STUDIO, then your message to 80889. Very good morning to all the primary school teachers who are beginning their first day of their summer holidays. So enjoy your hot girl and hot boy summers. And uh, we won't begrudge you at all, we say sarcastically. Um, So enjoy that as well. And sport is all across the papers this morning. It's a place we all go to for the antidote to life's miseries and difficulties. And I hope many of you are feeling all the better after a thrilling weekend uh, in the football, the GAA, in camogie, uh, boxing I see as well in the papers as well. And what we've ended up with in in the GAA in particular, which... um, got most of the attention over the weekend is the All-Ireland's football semi-finals are now these hugely, vastly uneven contests between two giants, Dublin and Kerry, the suppressive favourites for the All-Ireland final uh, because both teams won by 12 points at the weekend. Um, Kerry beating Tyrone, which made people in Monaghan very happy as well. Uh, I'll come to the rest of it in a minute. And, um, of course, Dublin getting over poor, poor Mayo despite Joe Biden promising that um, Mayo was for Sam. Uh, So both teams won by 12 points. Both teams are now joint and equal favourites to win Sam on the very same odds and both face rank outsiders but stubborn Ulster teams in the semi-final. Yes, Monaghan people, we are floating through Ulster uplands this morning. Um, Our little team, it's a county of 60,000 people, very low expectations going in there. We had the last minute staying up in Division 1 two years in a row, beating Dublin and Mayo in the league both times in the last minute dash and then getting over Kildare in the last minute. Uh, So we're basically a tiny rural cluster of parishes east of Cavan. We've made it to an All-Ireland semi-final and a minor All-Ireland final. And we're looking forward to the big day against the Dubs in two weeks' time. It'll be half past five on a lovely evening, July evening in Croker with the Talton Cup between um, Down and Meath as the the support act. But that's going to be, that's a really good double header. We've nothing to fear, nothing to lose in the season. It's delivered way more than anyone in Monaghan could even hallucinate about. Let's face it. So it's fierce, exciting. I was, I didn't get to, to the match because I was at a christening on Saturday, and all week I was building up the kind of excuse going. I'm going to have to, you know, the match doesn't start till six, so it's fine. It's a christening, so you know, by the time it comes around to about half five, you know, surely we'll all be going home. Uh, and if we don't, I'll be doing an Irish goodbye and I'm going to get a dart because I have to get home and I'm going to get in and watch the match. Um, but again, when it comes around to the time, everyone's having fun and it was sunny. I realise, oh no, I'm gonna, somebody opened a fancy bottle of something and I was, uh, it's going to be really rude to leave. So what you do when you're kind of trapped at, a, at an event, you're still kind of, you know, you're objectively enjoying, but you need to see the match. I got the phone out, uh, and yes, I'm, um, I'm I'm a subscriber to GAA Go, but we're not going to go there this morning. Um, but uh, I quietly set up the phone, no volume. I was streaming the, the match, kind of still nodding to people, going, mm-hmm, uh-huh, but looking down really at the match. And, you know, and as the tit-for-tat got towards the last 10 minutes, two Ulster teams in Croke Park, you know, I start to fidget a little bit. I'm just now openly ignoring conversations. I'm just staring down at the table. People go, what's, what's he up to over there? Then extra time, I, you know, I start to 
I turn up the volume on the phone and I start to react a little bit as well, even though there were only two points scored in all of extra time, but there was a lot, there was a lot going on. But by the time of the penalties anyway, I had 20 people at this Dublin christening where nobody was really interested in GAA when we arrived. Uh, including Americans, by the way, I had everyone gathered around the iPhone screen, roaring their heads off. And so by the time a quarter to nine had come around, I had, um, it went on so long, I had taught a whole family of Americans the entire human history of Monaghan and how it revolves around the religion that is Conor McManus's feet. And uh, they were sold on our little adventure. And uh, actually, here's, here's how it ended. This is Pork Lodge commentating breathlessly as he did after a very long stint on Saturday night. It was nearly nine o'clock at night. Ten penalties in. Callum Komiski for Armagh to keep the Orchard dream alive. Pacing the ball on the spot again. His teammates anxiously watch him. They have complete faith in Komiski to get the score. Equally, Monaghan have complete faith in their goalkeeper, Rory Began. Komiski's taking his time amid whistles and boos. Stopped by Began, and that is it. Monaghan are heading for the semi-finals. Rory Began stops Colin Komiski's penalty. The tenth round of penalties. It was an extra time thriller. And in the end, it's more penalty shootout. Heartbreak for Armagh. They lost the quarter-final on penalties last year. They lost the Ulster final on penalties this year. And they have now exited the All-Ireland again on penalties. And it is Monaghan, the outsiders, who've got one up on their neighbours. They're heading back to the semi-finals, defying the odds again. And they're celebrating out in the pitch like they've won the All-Ireland. Like they've won the All-Ireland. That is it. We couldn't ask for more. I, I realise I hadn't even mentioned Armagh the way through that. Thank God. Poor Lodge mentioned And poor old Armagh. God, they've had, um, they've had a rough time. Three uh, penalty shootouts in, in a year to lose. It's just an uh, extravagant defeat in many ways. Um, so there, we're, we're very, we're very, very... In Iskeen Road on a July evening on Saturday, the bicycles uh, were silent because everyone was inside gathered around the wireless and the WhatsApp groups. Uh, so anyway, a day out in Croker. That's two weeks. Dublin versus Monaghan, the Talton Cup final uh, down in Meath. Then you've got Kerry and Derry. That's a rare championship encounter. That'll be on the Sunday in two weeks' time. Kerry Derry. They've only met four times I read in the Independent this morning. The last time was 2004. Uh, Kerry's won most of the encounter. Derry, in fact, has only beaten Kerry once out of those championship encounters way back to 1958 and hardly anyone, nobody expects either Derry or Monaghan to progress. Uh, and by the way, the Hurling takes centre stage next weekend with the Camogie Championship also coming into its serious business. So Kilkenny and Cork will meet in the quarter-final Camogie. Um, the, the, sorry, the quarter-final. It's a rematch uh, and that'll be the double header. That's part of the double header with the Kilkenny, with the All-Ireland Hurling semi-final involving Kilkenny Clare and the Hurling Kilkenny Cork in the Camogie. There you go. And Tipperary Antrim in the Camogie will be just ahead of the Limerick Galway hurling match uh, next weekend. So it's going to be fierce, exciting stuff altogether. I mentioned the boxing as well because the Irish Daily Mail tells us Aoife O'Rourke and Amy Wall were the golden girls for Team Ireland at the European Games in Krakow in Poland. Roscommon boxer O'Rourke secured an unanimous decision victory in the middleweight final to win a second boxing gold for Ireland after Kelly Harrington's success on Saturday. She won her, um, she retained her European gold medal, um, Kelly Harrington, Saturday. And uh, Amy Wall, of course, was given the honour of being the Team Ireland's flag bearer last night after the closing ceremony after winning Ireland's first European Games gold medal in kickball. 
boxing. And she's from Bray, Amy Wall. So fantastic. A, a really, really good win. Team Ireland are arriving back in Dublin Airport this evening. They've got, they'll be coming home with a haul of 13 medals across uh, boxing and kickboxing and one each in athletics, rugby and taekwondo. So this is obviously um, important stuff. Important stuff because Paris 2024 Olympics are not far away at all. Um, uh, also in the independent, uh, a little bit of a downside to, uh, but this is actually, believe it or not, it's, it's about our man Monaghan fans fighting uh, in on Hill 16, but it probably concerns the dubs more so because the headline is the iconic Hill 16 could be converted to seats if the fights continues. And this is a warning from the GAA that if the crowds don't mind themselves up there, they're going to switch the uh, iconic terraces to seating. And that will go down very, very badly among the uh, Dublin, uh, Hill 16 is Dublin only crowd. So video footage emerging social media showing a fight broke out between a group of young supporters wearing Monaghan and Armagh colours. And we also hear the GA said that, um, they, obviously un unacceptable, and several people were arrested and ejected from Croke Park. And a spokesperson for Armagh GAA said the incident is not reflective of the thousands of fans who followed the Orchard County teams. Not reflective of, of any GAA fans, really, because it is usually, it is a family atmosphere there, and we don't want to see that happening at all, at all. Usually it's um, a brawls on the pitch that make the news, not on the terraces. Uh, 51551, that's our text number. Oliver Mayo are always there with the best of teams. Up Mayo, wherever you go they will bring Sam to Mayo says you know, no matter how many how awful it can get for Mayo fans it never seems to diminish their, their ironclad belief that one day Sam will return uh, not much mention of the Mayo curse because all of the members of that 1951 Mayo team have sadly passed away and they always said that would be the lifting of the curse but it has, hasn't happened yet one of the unsporting things I know is that when Aidan O'Shea is a real talisman for Mayo, he's taken off. But every time the big screen in Croke Park showed him sitting in the stands, having been subbed off and the miserable second half they were having, the Dublin fans gave a loud jeer. And uh, we frown upon that behaviour in the GAA. We, we really do. Um, sport, of course, is, 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 is all the action in sport around across the water in particular uh, will focus its attention on Wimbledon this week because... The Wimbledon Tennis Championships are underway this week and all the the papers are already talking about strawberries and coloured underwear. This is a bit, uh, all the kind of things are synonymous with Wimbledon and tennis. Again, a bit like the snooker. It always seems like it was a bigger deal in the 80s, 90s and is, is kind of gone into that fragmented, you know, diehard tennis fans only arena. Um, so what's all the excitement's going on? Well, it goes on and on uh, for, for ages. Is it two or three weeks long? It goes on quite a bit. The favourite this year for the men's is um, Novak Djokovic again. At least that's a name we all still know. He is um, regarded as, well, he's the all-time record for Grand Slam singles titles and Masters 1,000 events. The most successful men's player in the game's history, but whether he is the GOAT, as in greatest of all time, remains the subject of fierce debate. And there was a whole thing about vaccines and so on, which took a bit of a shine off him. Uh, but what's going on again is Emma Raducanu, who won the US Open in 2021, aged 18. Is she a Briton? The Britain's hope. She has Romanian roots. Um, no, she's not going to be involved. Um, and Andy Murray's hopes of being seeded at Wimbledon came to an abrupt end at the Queen's Club last week when he was defeated in the first round. So there you go. She's been plagued by injury. That's why Emma Raducanu is not going to be involved as well. So the Wimbledon singles competition, um, nobody knows who's going to win it. It's wide open. The top seed, Igas Swiatek, is the favourite. She's Polish. And who else is there? There's Elena Rybakani. Um, Rib 
Bakina is not it? Yes, she's Kazakhstan. Um, so they're the favourites because no kind of big names, there's no kind of long term. They're all young pretenders, but we're all going to get to know them. And the, the familiar faces like Sue Barker, uh, retired after 22 years. So Claire Balding is going to be the presenter on the BBC coverage. Um, does Tiji Carr cover women? They used to, didn't they, one stage? We'll look that up for you. Uh, Robinson's Barley Water. That's the thing you, you always wait out for those ads. But we discovered this morning, to our horror, that Robinson's Barley Water ended its 86 year relationship with Wimbledon last year. I mean, Barley Water literally invented in lawn tennis clubs around the corner in Wimbledon. Um, that's how connected it was. But it's all over for Wimbledon's Barley Water. Guess what the, the official drink of Wimbledon is these days? Gatorade. It seems they've really corporatised and Americanized. Wimbledon Gatorade. So that's what's going on there. I always feel sorry for the ball boys and ball girls who have to run around and are just generally ignored by the stars. And if they look at them or glance at them, it's like, oh my God, the gods have, have glanced down upon me. So it seems a bit strange. What's happening over the Brits as well? Well, we were talking about rock all and the fact that the, you know, the Brits lay claim to rock all and the Irish don't lay claim to it, but don't recognise the British claim to it, which is a tiny island between Mayo and Iceland. Well, the Orkney Islands, which would be very familiar to us in Scotland there, a motion is to go before Orkney Council on Tuesday, calling for an investigation of alternative forms of government. And they're considering leaving the United Kingdom to become a territory of Norway after islanders claim they're sick of being mistreated by both Edinburgh and Scotland. And the council leader, James Stocken, says Orkney's been failed dreadfully by both the Scottish and the UK governments in London and, has been, and had been part of a Norse kingdom for far longer than it's been part of the Brits. So um, they're also looking at the similar model uh, that's adopted by the Faroe Islands, which is a self-governing territory of Denmark, sort of home rule, but um, strictly speaking, Den- Danish ruled. There's 22,500 people living in the Orkney Islands. Uh, and uh, two-thirds of them voted to remain part of the UK at the Scottish 2014 independence referendum. So there you go. There's there's a tale in that for you. But their mood has changed dramatically, shall we say. Um, Don't forget the Monaghan Miners in the All-Ireland final against Derry next Sunday. Yes, indeed, you mentioned the Miners. It's their first time in in 89 years, I think it is. Uh, That's one o'clock in our mass, as Andrea reminded me there. Yes, we know all this this recent history. We should also remind people who aren't familiar, as I was on Saturday night going, this is only the senior fellas, only their second time in the All-Ireland senior final um, in 30 years, basically. It's 2018, five years ago. Incidentally, the banished door of Monaghan, Vinnie Corey, was playing in that match, which we lost by a single point to Tyrone. But uh, Tyrone are gone and we're still there. There's nothing sweeter. Nothing sweeter for Monaghan people. Uh, 51551. Uh, all in Cavan are also so, so excited for Monaghan and we wish the very best for our, for our neighbours. I think that's a genuinely happy message from our Cavan friends there. Indeed, and we support you during the, the those mad COVID finals when Cavan and Tipperary found themselves unusually in the football semi-finals. Now, 25 years ago, Bridget Jones's diary was became a best-selling novel and it arrived on shelves in America and the New York Times are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Hen- Helen Fielding's best-selling novels anniversary by kind of looking at it with a wry look, 2023 look. So you think, you know, we can't judge the standards of the 40s and Churchill's by today's standards. Well, we can't even... We can't even look back into 1998 without um, looking back through the prism of everything we know since. So uh, the British, uh, sorry, this is basically looking at um, Bridget Jones through through the eyes, through our weary eyes of 2023. And they don't come out very well. What happened anyway? Well, the book, of course, as you know, 
if you don't know, followed a year in the life of a single 30-something London woman navigating personal and professional turmoil while attempting to lose weight and quit smoking. Each entry begins with Bridget's meticulous tally of pounds shed or gained, the alcohol units consumed, calories imbibed, cigarettes smoked and lottery tickets purchased. Bridget doesn't hit the jackpot, but of course Helen Fielding did. It became a, a massive hit. And uh, people were you know, huge hits from it. The next few years f- followed up from Bridget uh, Jones with a rash of novels, all containing echoes, uh, echoes of how she's feeling. There was The Girl's Guide to Hunting and Fishing, Confessions of a Shopaholic, I Don't Know How She Does It, The Nanny Diaries, The Devil's Wear Prada. It became a huge industry within the, the, the book fields. And uh, as it's been pointed out here, the, these books made light of a spectrum of subjects. Loneliness, loss parenthood, wealth, fashion, while nodding at the particular and peculiar contradictions that women faced within each one of those areas. So it had a derogatory edge, but Chicklet made a positive space for women to write about everyday things. That's what they're saying. But now they're saying the first thing you notice if you read them back is Bridget's obsession with weight and fat, the casual cruelty of her friends, family and colleagues about her romantic prospects. It might have been depressingly funny 25 years ago, it says here. Now, it's just depressing. So if a millennial kind of picks up the, these books and going, oh, I don't know my mum and everyone of that era seems to talk fondly about this. Now they're looking at it going, you what? Because Bridget Jones is reduced to kind of find, being amused by her boss who writes um, the sexist things at the end of emails, such as, P.S., I like your breasts in that top. And he uses the, the ruder expression. And um, so they're looking back at it and they're saying, indeed, today's young women know that neurotic isn't cute. Cute isn't cute. Neither is flustered, madcap, zany, flighty, flaky, harried or hapless. All adjectives that apply to Bridget. Nowadays, more young women know what to do about a lewd boss or a dismissive one. Let's hope a new generation rebuilds what we lost using stories that celebrate progress. So, you know, it's very much a novel that was true of its time, I suppose it's it's fair to say. And uh, most people, I think, have the intelligence to watch old movies and read old books, understanding the era where they came from. And you can put yourself into that era. So maybe being slightly unfair here, because Bridget Jones was a girl's girl. She could hold her own, couldn't she? She could defend herself and she could chat to the to the men and say, isn't it awful what's happening in um, Chechnya, was it? I think she was concerned with all these 90s things going on. Uh, so uh, unfair, perhaps, to Bridget Jones. Anyway, 51551 if you want to have your say on the Bridget Jones's Girls, Girls. Stanley Tucci, who's an actor, who has a lot to say. He's been on BBC's Desert Island Disc, the 62-year-old now. God, he looks fresh for 62, doesn't he? Uh, the American who's been exploring his Italian roots, as Stanley Tucci in India, and in, in Italy, I should say. Um, what, what was he best known for? Well, The Hunger Games... And the Devil Wears Prada is what he's known for in a couple of things as well. Uh, but he did an interview on BBC's Radio 4's Desert Island Discs and he was asked for his take on whether straight actors should play gay characters. Uh, he was in a, in a movie with Colin Firth, both of them playing uh, gay men, uh, partners together, supernova is what it's called. And this followed on from a debate, I think it had kind of started a couple of years ago. Richard E. Grant was a big voice because he was nominated for an Oscar only about three or four years ago can you forgive me, uh, for playing a gay man. And afterwards he said he would never do that again. So what is Stanley Tucci's hot take as a straight man playing gay characters as he did recently? I'm always very flattered when gay men come up to me and talk about The Devil Wears Prada Mm -hmm. or they talk about Supernova and they say that like it was just so beautiful, you know, you did it. You did it the right way because often it's not done the right way. But I really do believe that an actor is an actor is an actor. You're supposed to play different people. 
You just are. That's that's the whole point of it. Well, he doesn't mince his words there. An actor is an actor. And I kind of think, you know, isn't the challenge that you're supposed to inhabit a, a different world and convince us that you are that character. So uh, it makes sense. But the debate will roar on for good. That's for sure. Uh, 50 Cent, is his world tour is happening. He's marking the 25th, the 20th anniversary of his hip-hop classic album, Get Rich or Die Trying. And he says it's going to be the last tour on this scale. And this is a huge world tour. So Curtis Jackson is known. He's 48 this week and he's going on the final lap tour North America, Europe and Australasia and he's also um, even though he hasn't released an album in nine years he's still one of the the uh, most streamed artists on Spotify so um, he's flying there and he's doing fierce well um, this was an interesting one actually speaking of concerts there is something wrong with concert goers these days um, because last week we were talking about Pink and someone had thrown the, a bag onto the stage which turned out to be their mother's ashes and Pink said I don't know how to feel about this and she just kind of left the bag sitting there and this was a trend apparently of people flinging things onto the stage uh, during shows human ashes to cell phones what is going on with concert fans lately asked this headline uh, basically they're going to ruin shows for the rest of us that's, that's what's happening um, so country singer Kelsey Ballerina was the latest artist to be struck by a flying object which turned out to be a bracelet that hit her in the face and she had to stop performing for a bit it hit her in the eye scared her more than hurt her she says no doubt um, other artists are talking about the rapper Sexy Red had to cut short her own show fans refused stopping, stop throwing water bottles at the stage so signs around the place now venues will have signs that say no mosh pits no crowd surfing but now they have to say no throwing items onto the stage um, chicken nuggets have been known to go flying people throw cell phones on stage and I think the, the the curious thing here is why they're throwing their phones onto the stage. They are hoping the performer, the star, is going to grab the phone and then record a moment for them and presumably fling it back. I mean, like, what is wrong with people? Um, David Schmidt, who's a pop culture expert at the University of Buffalo College of Arts and Sciences, he has pointed out something interesting. He says, don't forget the etymology of the word fan is short for fanatic, a term originally associated with religious devotion. So people tend to see celebrities nowadays as if they're gods or semi-divine beings. So it's like an altar, the stage, and they want them to touch their stuff so they can bring it back and, you know, hold it like a relic or something. It's all completely uh, unwell, is the best way to say it. Uh, Harry Styles was struck as well. So very bad, just terrible behaviour going on. Although I'm sure the old rockers will kind of point out to us that, um, you know, bands were routinely bottled and pelted. Uh, but, you know, also there was a softer era where Tom Jones and Joe Dolan just had knickers flung at them affectionately um, being thrown at them, which, you know, I, they never really worried about being flucking, flung in the eye with, um, with a pair of knickers compared to an iPhone. Cut above. Uh, harking back to last week as well, the British tourist who carved his name into the Colosseum and was filmed by Italians, and the Italian police are looking for them, was identified. And now even Dimitrov, who lives in Bristol, he's originally from, from uh, Bulgaria, who wrote Ivan plus Haley into the 2,000-year-old Rome structure wall with the keys, has begged for forgiveness. So he is... He has said he's very upset with what he's done, keeps apologising for it. He's worried about the consequences of any trial and uh, not saying he's giving himself up, but anyway, he's begging for forgiveness. <laughs> You're looking for forgiveness and redemption. Well, you've come to the wrong decade for that, Sonny. And um, also, 
Speaking of our gods, the celebrities, Chris Evans, um, also known as Captain America, has joined Taron Egerton, also known as Rocket Man, in taking a break from social media. We heard Taron Egerton saying, no more for me. This is not doing my head any good. So I'm getting out of Twitter because it's too addictive and it's ruining my mental health. And so he's taking a break. And Chris Evans has disabled um, or dis- deactivated his Twitter account and his Instagram accounts. What has he been saying? He said, I'm spending too much time scrolling on his phone and it's affected my ability to sit and be present. Yeah, as particularly for movies, as we all know, you need to put the phone into a different room when you're sitting down to watch a film. Uh, so that's just uh, joining the, the, the celebrities who are saying, we've had enough. We've had enough. Um, Kate Moss is out. This is the best-selling author, Kate Moss, not the other Kate Moss. She has pointed out something which I think is kind of astonishing. The novelist has claimed that less than one-fifth or less than 20% of biographies on Wikipedia are currently about women. So she's urging budding historians and writers to add more biographies of women on Wikipedia. Less than a fifth of all the biographies on the online encyclopedia are about women. Um, She said it's the biggest online encyclopedia there is, but only 19% of the biographies are about women. So if it's not that the old books are out of date and now it's all fine. Okay, she's saying, yes, you need to go online. Go to Wikipedia, go on and add women. That's what she's saying. It's the old suffragette anthem. Deeds, not words. Do something, don't say something. So there you go. Uh, 51551, that's our text number. Ah, we're going to start. This is this is from Bridget Jones' movies, I'm reliably informed. So let us start here this morning. Um, up Monaghan, up um, Derry, for the small teams, for the minnows, as they're always weirdly described, only in GAA columns and stuff. Minnows against giants. But we dare to dream. Our summer has been beautiful so far. 51551, that is the text number. Good morning, all. Uh, it's called Meteorite. That's the uh, the sound of Ollie Alexander in years and years. And that's from, um, what is it from? Bridget Jones's Baby. Was that like the fifth or sixth? I think the movies got pretty bad as they as they went along. Uh, 2016, that is. 51551, that's our text number. Lots of people talking about sport. Let's not forget the sport event of sports events, says this uh, biased fan here. Le Tour de France. Watching it on TG Car Daily. I expect more hoping. I'll be fluent in Irish in three weeks' time, says Tracy here. So, Bay. Tracy and Neil Gaelgelifogum, unfortunately, as you can probably tell. Um, the semi-finals, oh yes, of the All-Ireland Women's Football Soccer uh, takes place next Saturday. The Wexford Youths will play Galway and Cork will play Cliftonville. So some recognition and promotion will be much appreciated there. Yes, indeed. And I noticed throughout the weekend the ads for the... Um, the Women's World Cup, the Soccer World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is really taking off. I mean, you're not going to miss those matches. Uh, what are we going to start out in a sold-out 82,000-seater stadium um, Stadium Australia against the tournament co-hosts? So that is going to be big, big, big ones. And we're the underdogs after all, you see. Underdog is a good way to be. Um, on Wimbledon, Djokovic thinks he doesn't get the recognition and love that he deserves. And he's rather dour. 
Not universally liked by the Wimbledon crowds. No, he's not. Not taking the COVID vaccine alienated many. His game lacks the style and flair of Roger Federer, whose record he's just bettered. And, you know, to be honest, you wouldn't think he'd better the record because people don't talk about Djokovic in the same sort of uh, adulation as they do Roger Federer, who went on and on for ages. Um... This is all about, uh, oh, this is about the, the, the bad, badly behaving fans. Someone also threw a giant wheel of brie cheese at Pink last week after the ashes that were plopped on stage next to her. She's just, people are just, just not well. They're not well at the moment. Um, oh, and this is on acting. For God's sake, it's called acting because that's what it is. Pretending to be someone you're not, says Pat. And Oliver, a seminal role that spurred many gay men to address coming out was John Hurt's 1975 The Naked Civil Servant for Thames Television, portraying the life of Quentin Crisp. Need we say more? An actor is an actor. Gifted actors can play any role, whether they themselves are gay or straight, says Sarah in Dublin 4. Yes, and you remind me of uh, Daniel Day-Lewis in My Beautiful Laundrette. And of course, a broke back mountain more recently in the last 20 years where Heath Ledger, one of his finest roles. It's acting. You just have to, it doesn't matter. We almost want, don't want to know anything about the background of the actor because we want to be lost in the story and believe the character. Now, we go to an ad break because we're going to have a guest in studio and it's a, just a gorgeous, a gorgeous story. It's a kid's book, but it has a very, very important message of understanding and tolerance, which I think you're going to enjoy the story behind it. That's back after these.